Good morning, everybody. I was thinking Pastor Aaron was so true, just uh, the, <clears throat> the way that God is so intentional bringing the children. Uh, today's sermon will be about children, two children, born around the same time, to do a great work, one of them to rise from the grave to save all of us from sin and death. And so God loves children, and uh, he really is getting started off, so praise God for that. Let me pray. And then we'll get started. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for the many ministers that are here and all that's coming together to make your house a place of worship. We praise you, Lord, and we are thankful to be here. Lord, uh, may you speak and may we all hear and receive and be drawn into your presence, into a way of living um, in this Christmas time. In Jesus' name, amen. So peace be with you. God's plan never fails. So this past Friday, we went to a concert, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Who's gone to that, if you've gone to that? Okay. Who had their ears ringing for an hour afterwards? Yeah. Basically, if you know that song, the one that's played, you know, dun, 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 it's the whole theme of that and the feel of that for three hours. <laughs> it's fire coming out of everything. I'm worried that someone might have, you know, exploded any moment to walk past a fire-breathing, fire-gauging gasket. Uh, there's men and women with long hair, shaking their heads over and over again, playing electric guitars. Um, and most of it, basically all the songs are either classic Christmas songs, so they're all basically about Jesus, or the ones that aren't, they're about hope and saving. So it kind of feels like an explosive fire explosion of church, which is pretty cool. And so while it was happening, and I'm being just completely inundated with all of this information, and I'm about to uh, have an overload, literally, I just say to myself, why is Christmas epic? Why is Christmas so intense? Should it be this intense? Is this just the Trans-Siberian Orchestra's version of Christmas? Or is there something really actually intense about Christmas? And the answer that I believe the Holy Spirit said is yes. There is something very intense and powerful about Christmas. The question that I think would bring that out this morning for us is about problems. I think the most difficult times I have is when I have a problem that I can't solve on my own. An issue that no matter how much I've thought about it, and if you know me, I think a lot about problems, right? I overthink problems. No matter how much I think I'm going to do or how much I've, di I've done, the problem isn't solved. That is when I am the most frustrated. And in that time is when I believe Jesus and what he's here for is the most important. So a question for you, 
What is the most frustrating problem you have right now? What is the most frustrating problem you have right now? Anyone willing to to share? Open floor. A frustrating issue that you're dealing with right now that you just can't deal with, you just can't solve right now. Any brave takers? All right. Going once. Going twice. We're sold. Well, for me, uh, the issue will be basically the fact that we have been wanting to have children. That's one. And we can't solve that problem. And so I really think it's been an appointment that God has asked me to preach a sermon about his son being born into the world because it really resonates with me. Um, and that he has an answer to that problem. We all have problems that we can't solve without God. Right? In your mind, in your heart, we all have problems that we can't solve without God. Maybe it's bills. Maybe it's a kid going off to college and we don't know how that's going to go. Maybe it's we're starting to think about retirement and we don't know how that's going to go. Uh, maybe you've been sick and you don't know who made you sick. <laughs> and you don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> we all have problems. The biggest problem, though, is sin and death. Sin and death is the biggest problem. We can't solve it. There's always a new suggestion on what to eat or how to work out coming out every year. I like to drink a nice beer sometimes. And I like coffee. And I remember in the past five years, there was an article I read that said beer is bad for you. And then the next year, beer is good for you. And then I had an article about coffee is really good for you. And then the article came out, coffee is bad for you. I don't know. We're trying to figure out how to live our lives, but basically we can't get past the fact that we're mortal. We can't get past the problem of death and sin. And these things bother us because we're not meant to experience those things. It's not natural. That's why we hurt when someone we love hurts. That's why we mourn when someone we love passes on. That's why... We get cranky just as we get older and we have to get out of bed. It's not natural. It's a real problem. And it's one that it should get you angry, you know. So I think about with, with my wife. I, just yesterday on the couch, we were just sitting there. And I was looking at her. And I was just like, man, we're going to both get older. And one was going to pass on before the other. Or it was like the, it was like the, uh, the, uh, the notebook where we're going to both pass together, right? Sappy enough. <laughs> and thinking of that is disturbing. That we do have to age. Well, God doesn't like that either. And he sent an answer to that problem uh, through Jesus Christ. But before Jesus, he sent many other 
messengers throughout the course of the Bible. From the first prophecy when Adam and Eve sinned, and he said, you're going to bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He sent Noah and Moses and Elisha, Elijah, many prophets, King David, John the Baptist, and Jesus, and many others in between to prepare the way to solve this problem. Advent is intense because it's about that. That the way life is now isn't fully the way God wanted it to be. And that he's preparing a great, awesome, climactic solution to these issues. So before I go further into that, here's a video I'd like for you guys to listen to and watch. Zechariah was a priest who followed God. He and his wife Elizabeth didn't have children and they were past the childbearing years. One day, Zechariah was chosen to go to the temple and burn incense at the altar. The people waited outside in prayer. Suddenly, an angel appeared to the priest and said, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. Elizabeth will give birth to a son and you're to call up John. He'll be a joy to your heart. He'll be great before the Lord and will prepare the way for Messiah. Zechariah was afraid and said, How is that possible? We're too old to have children. The angel said, My name is Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. He sent me to give you this good news, and you don't believe me. Therefore, you won't be able to speak until what I've said comes true. The people outside were wondering what was taking the priest so long. After the angel left, Zechariah went out and stood before them. He tried to say something but found that he couldn't. So the people knew he had seen a vision. The priest went home and soon Elizabeth was expecting a child. With joy she secluded herself. When she had been pregnant for six months, that same angel went to a town called Nazareth. He appeared to a young woman named Mary. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph. Both were descendants of David. Gabriel said to her, Mary, you're blessed by God. The young woman was startled and didn't know what to say. The angel said, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You'll give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and there'll be no end to his kingdom. Mary said, how can this be true? I'm a virgin. You'll conceive when the Holy Spirit hovers over you. Therefore, the child will be called the Son of God. Mary, all things are possible with God. Even your cousin Elizabeth is about to have a baby in her old age. With that, Mary bowed her head and said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let this happen just as you have said. After the angel left, Mary went to visit her cousin. As soon as Elizabeth heard her voice, her baby jumped inside her, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, O Mary, you're blessed above all women, and that child you're carrying is blessed. How am I worthy to have a mother 
of my Lord visit me. Mary stayed with this wise older woman for three months, learning from her and receiving encouragement. Afterwards, she went home to face her family. After Mary left, Elizabeth gave birth to a baby boy. Neighbors and family came to rejoice with the old couple. They said, we'll call the child Zechariah after his father. Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. John, there is no one in your family named John. We'll talk to Zechariah about this. The priest wrote on the tablet, his name is John. Immediately he could talk. Oh, bless the Lord. He is sending the promised one who will bring us back to God. He picked up his son. He'll be a prophet of God and prepare the way for Messiah. He'll bring us salvation and forgiveness of sin. He will bring us peace. Amen, right? Great story. <clears throat> so, when I read about the story of Luke, in Luke, accounting Luke chapter 1, about John and Jesus, and I, I, I hear Zechariah uh, prophesying over his son, I was a little confused. I was like, is he talking about Jesus or, 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 or his son? Is this the Messiah or is this a Messiah? And what's going on here? So if you ever read Luke chapter 1, it's really long. It's 80 verses. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got a picture for this? What? It's basically two stories in one. And I think Luke is trying to communicate something in that. He's trying to say that something big is happening. A Messiah is coming. But guess what? We don't fully know God's plan. Just get ready for God's plan. God has a solution. We can't figure it out, but just be ready because it's coming. And the good thing about that is there is an enemy. There is an enemy out there. And he does not want the Messiah to come either. From the very beginning of time, he has been fighting against God. And God prophesied that someone's coming to take you down. And that being Satan has likely been looking for the Messiah since that time. And so really, the prophecy of the Messiah entering the world is more so a story of God sending his warrior into a war zone to fix it, to fix the problems that are going on. And not everyone wants that to happen. Not everyone is looking forward to that day. And so when you read Luke chapter 1, you see this uh, kind of duplicity. Who is the Messiah? Which one is really the Savior? Let's just wait and see. Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through 73. This is Zechariah preaching as he's holding his son. Then his father... Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors 
by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. So this is not about Jesus. This is about John. And I really believe that this is God saying, if you're looking for the Messiah, you'll notice him at the right time. If you're waiting for my saving power, you'll notice him at the right time. But only at the right time. You see, God has a plan, and his plan never fails. We may not know every step of the plan, but when the right time comes, we'll know, and it will be good. There's a parable that Jesus preached, the parable of the evil farmers. And this parable, I believe, is exactly what I am talking about. It's accounted in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so it's pretty popular. And really, it's a parable about the war, the war of time, the war of God fixing our problems for us that we can't fix ourselves, but in the same way, continually to obey the devil and evil people who don't want the Messiah to come, who don't want a ruler to come and rule them. In this parable, he talks about a farmer who has a vineyard, and he plants the vineyard, and he, he has workers working in the vineyard. Now, the vineyard doesn't belong to the workers. They're just working there. But the workers decide that they actually want to have the vineyard. So the owner of the vineyard, God, sends envoys to send messengers, messengers, messenger, messages to the, mess- to the workers, sorry, about the vineyard. And each messenger they take and they either beat up or they kill. And so finally, Jesus says here, the farmer, the owner is exasperated. He says in Luke 20, verse 13, what will I do? The owner asks himself, I know. I'll send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. But when the tenants' farmers saw his son, they said to each other, Here comes the heir of the state. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them? Jesus asked, I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyards to others. How terrible that such a thing should ever happen, the listeners said and protested. But Jesus looked at them and said, then what does the scriptures mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over the stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. Sounds a lot like that first prophecy in Genesis, right? Jesus is talking to the enemy and the darkness saying, I'm here and I'm going to win. Now this was many decades later as a grown man. But think about that now. Backtrack now. Rewinding back. Christmas. The little baby in the manger. 
warm, starlit night, beautiful songs, all is calm, all is nice. That's where it began. That's God's plan. God didn't transport down as a fully grown man with lightning like Thor or something like that, you know, with a hammer. He didn't come as a well-spoken, brash politician or a very vibrant preacher or a valiant king with a broad sword. He came as a baby. And in that baby was either trembling fear for those who don't want their authority taken, for those who don't want their plans disrupted, or joy for all those who are longing for hope, for someone to really come and really fix the problems in this life. So I asked the question earlier is, what is your biggest problem? I think the biggest of the biggest problem is the fact that we don't have control over solving the biggest problem. See, if the biggest problem is addiction, we can't really just fix an addiction. Even if you overcome addiction, it'll still be something that you have to continually fight for the rest of your life. Or if it's a, a way of thinking or a prejudiced mindset or a worldview that is insensitive or hurts others. Uh, we can't just stop it. It's a way that we are that we have to constantly be reminded and fight against for the rest of our lives. And I believe that that's the biggest struggle with the biggest problems, is that we don't have control over solving the problem. You know what I'm saying? That if we had control over the problem, it wouldn't be that much of a problem. And these are the problems that God brings us to a place. We can choose to continue to try to solve it on our own, or we surrender. That we stop trying to beat up or shackle up or kill his messengers. And we finally surrender to the messenger. We finally say, I give up. I'm done. I've tried over and over again to solve this my way. Your way is better. Your way is better. Even if the way does not make sense, even if we want a super warrior and God brings a baby, <laughs> all right, your way is better. Even if we want a million bucks to enter into a bank account, but God gives you a, 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 a preacher who wants you to tithe, <laughs> all right, your way is better. Your way is better. You see, Satan, the enemy, doesn't want the Messiah because 
one of the things that makes the enemy the enemy is he wants to be in control. And he knows that the Messiah is going to come and be in control. And the darkness in us that is fallen, that does not want to submit to Jesus, is the same way. When we struggle with things in our life, it's because we don't want to submit control of that to God. We want to do it our way. And that is the constant call to the cross that Jesus asked us to do. To just submit over control to God. Stop trying to kill the messengers. But let him bring the message. So for me, like I said before, it's about having children. We can't have children right now. It's a problem. One that God has a plan for. But I'll confess this. I didn't always want to have children. In fact, for most of my time in life, I didn't want children at all. When we got married, I used to get freaked out nervous if the time of the month was a little late. I was like, oh my gosh, she, she, she pregnant? What's going to happen? I'd freak out. Because, you know, a child, children, they are the boss when they come into the world, right? The Googles and Gagas are saying, feed me, change me right now. Not after the Netflix show that you're watching. Not when you're done eating your burger. Not when you wake up from going to, no. Wah. And I knew that. I knew that. So I didn't, I didn't want kids. And I thought, this is a nice, convenient problem to solve. We just won't try to have kids. And when we're ready, we'll try and we'll have the kids. But God is in control and God has the plan. And his plan never fails. So God said, you want to have kids, huh? Well, guess what? You ain't having them because I'm in control. You're going to have kids when I want you to have kids. You're going to want to have kids when you can, when before you didn't want them and you thought you could because I'm in control. I'm God. I'm here. I'm the Lord. Believe in me. Submit to me. Submit to my plan. So in Luke chapter 1, it's the same thing. We have these two gentlemen, these two boys, they're growing up. One's preparing the way for the other. And the whole time, God has a good plan. And at the right time, John the Baptist hands over and says, there's one amongst this crowd that I'm not even worthy of untying his sandal. And then, then, then everyone knew, okay, I guess that's the Messiah. Right? But it was in God's timing. And our biggest problems, God wants us 
to surrender and trust him and believe in him and know that even if it hurts, even if it doesn't work out, even if you are disappointed, if it's God's will, it's good. And his plan is not going to fail, and his plan is the best plan. The angel Gabriel had a, me- had a message for Mary and Elizabeth. He said in Luke chapter 1, for the word of God will never fail. When he was comforting her, when she heard the good news that she's going to have an unexpected child. And he said the same thing. Elizabeth said the same thing to Mary as well. She said in Luke 1.45, You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. The Lord would do what he said. His plan. So for us, we have a great community of friends and neighbors. Uh, the Rogers are awesome mentors, second parents to us, and many others that live in our neighborhood. We've been prophesied over. People have had dreams. They've seen the number of kids we're going to have in our dreams. And, you know, we had lilies that had sprouted odd numbers of three and seven and 12. And I was like, those those are very biblical numbers. And God's saying something. People... In our darkest times when I just prayed for God to comfort me and to reaffirm what it means, are we going to be parents? Um, literally the next day, one of our neighbors talked about the fact that he believes we're going to have parents, we're going to, be, we're going to have children. God won't let us not believe, I'm trying to say. It's just we have to surrender to his plan. We have to surrender to what he wants to do. Because what he wants to do will never fail, and it's better. So in this Christmas season, as we're singing the songs and hark the angel and oh baby in the manger, think about the fact that when Jesus was coming, he was bringing something for us to receive in faith and to surrender our plans to in faith. And that since it was his will, it was way better than our will. Hoping in a baby is way better than hoping in some grown dude, you know? Because a baby brings hope. It brings a future. There is no life without children. There is no future without children. There is not a plan if there's no one to pass the plan on to. God bringing the Savior in the form of a baby is to show us that the things that we long for the most, we have to surrender to him and we have to wait for him. 
literally wait for Jesus to grow up and John so they can do what God has called them to do. And that there's darkness in us and there's darkness in this life that will resist his plan at times. But when we submit that to God, there is peace. When we finally say, all right, you got this. There arrives the peace. Only, only then arrives the peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful savior counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace he's coming he's here those who don't want God to be God, don't want a mighty governor. But those who are hoping in the Savior to bring his plan, his perfect plan, they wait and they long. The good news is that Jesus did come. He grew up. He won the great battle with the devil. The devil has lost. He is our king and our victor. He is our mighty savior. And the good news is, is that when you believe that, that he has victory over our plans, you have peace, true peace, in any of the problems that you endure. Because every plan, every problem that we endure, ultimately, you can't win without Jesus. And so the message of this Christmas time is hoping in the baby of hope that turned into a man of victory. And that in anything you go through, he will win. As Gabriel said, for the word of God will never fail. Do you believe in the power of God never fail? Yes. Do you believe that his plan will win? Yes. I do too. We hope and we long. And so in this time, I just say, peace with you. God's with you. Jesus is here. He has claimed victory. And Merry Christmas. Let's pray. 
Lord, <clears throat> when the emotions come, you just can't stop them. <laughs> we praise you, Lord, that you brought your plan and your hope into the world. But we confess that we don't always want the big boss to come. <laughs> we don't want someone to submit our plans to. We don't want someone to have to answer to, to have to trust in. We don't want to be vulnerable, to be hopeless. But you came into this world that very same way, and then you turn into a man that was the answer to all of our problems. May you give us the Spirit, Holy Spirit, to trust in you, to submit our plans to you, to believe in you, to hope in you, and to wait for you. Because you will always come, you will always win, and you will always give us peace. May peace rest in our hearts. May peace be with us. Because you, Lord Jesus, are indeed God with us. Amen. <laughs>